Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to episode number 33 of the Scottish History Podcast. My name is Owen Innes and this week we are going to be going kind of back to the beginning, back to basics in a way. Uh, we're going to be talking about Scotland and uh, some little facts about it and then starting to delve more into the first settlers and then we're going to move our way through um, through the Iron Age, Bronze Age etc um, to try and bring us a little bit more up to date so this will hopefully lead us into stuff like the Vikings and things like that. Uh, but this week we're going to basically be starting at the beginning so join me for this episode as we learn a little bit more about Scotland itself. Scotland is a country that consists of an area of about 78,783 squared kilometres or 33,418 square miles. Texas State in the USA for comparison is 695,662 kilometres squared or 268,597 miles squared. If my maths is correct, then you could almost fit nine full Scotlands inside the state of Texas. Scotland's landmass used to be bigger and even our mountains were taller at one point. However, this has obviously changed over the last 13 million years. This is mostly due to the countless, around about 10 or so, ice ages to hit this particular land. At one point, our tallest mountains would have been higher than the Himalayas. Now our, and the UK's tallest mountain, Ben Nevis, reaches a height of 1,345 metres or 4,413 feet. Even the smallest mountain in the Himalayas dwarfs Ben Nevis. Ben Nevis also has the world record for fog cover, where the peak of Ben Nevis is covered by fog for an average of 300 days per year. Scotland has some of the oldest rocks to be found anywhere in the world. Exposure to the Gulf Stream, meaning palm trees and other subtropical plants can grow, 
It has over 2,000 castles, many mythical creatures, and a musical instrument officially declared as a weapon of war, along with 790 separate islands, one of which, the islands of Shetland, is closer to the North Pole than it is to the southern tip of Britain. The first human beings land in Scotland for the first time between 12,000 and 11,000 BC, most probably from Russia or Norway. They chose not to settle, but they did leave their arrowheads behind on the Isles of Orkney and Isla. And after another ice age in around 8,500 BC, the glaciers have melted and humans and animals now share our land. These first settlers were red-haired and gave us the genes that give us the world's highest population of redheads. Between 7,000 and 5,000 BC, Scotland starts to take shape with trees and fruits and berries beginning to grow. Reindeer, oxen and wolves also begin to roam. The settlers start building homes from wood and animal skins and live on shellfish and nuts. Around 6,700 BC, the evidence was hidden in middens known as, uh, well, rubbish mounds, they, they were known as middens, and found on Collinsey. In 6000 BC, a giant tsunami hit Scotland with waves reaching over 25 metres high. It was caused by cliffs from Scandinavia falling into the sea. From 5000 to 4000 BC, we see new settlers arriving from northwest Spain. They appear to integrate with the already established hunter-gatherers to the point that most Scots males' DNA shows that they are descendants of these particular Spanish settlers and the hunter-gatherer women. Between 4,500 and 3,000 BC, the lifestyles begin to change and focuses on actually settling in one place and building communities. It is widely believed that the Spanish settlers brought the farming revelation from the west, uh, sorry, from the east across to Scotland. Starting now to raise sheep and plant grains like barley and working together to do so. They begin making tools from stones such as axes and hoes. They build walls and fences from stone and wood. The wooden fences are all gone now but some 5,000-year-old stone walls still exist out there in the wilderness of Scotland. One of the most impressive examples of this is Scarabray on the mainland of Orkney. As mentioned before, I absolutely love Orkney, and Scarabray is a must-visit, not just on Orkney, but for anywhere in the world. To me, Orkney is historical Disneyland. It is one of the most fabulous places on earth, and if you've never been, get it on your bucket list to go. The original name for Scarabray was Scarabra, which was its original name until the 1950s when it became known as Scarabray. It consisted of 10 dwellings that were in use between 3200 and 2200 BC. Each dwelling consisted of stone walls and some form of thatched or mud roof. 
The interiors contained stone storage shelves, stone beds, small stone pools, potentially for keeping fresh seafood, and a central hearth for heat. The site contained its own sewage system along with passageways linking each dwelling. The site was originally five or six kilometres away from the sea, however now the site is at risk of being taken by the sea. As such, only eight of those ten dwellings exist today. Two of them have been lost to the sea. Nowadays, if you visit Scarabray, Scale Bay, which is where it's located, is right there. You can literally see the sea crashing over on a windy day, which it always is in Orkney. You can always see the waves trying to come up over and into the actual Scarabray enclosure itself. So Scarabray was uncovered after a storm in 1850 blew away the sand that had filled the houses over the years since its abandonment. Now this means it lay unused and undiscovered for thousands of years and the houses were immaculately preserved. The first excavation took place over 18 years uh, and the excavation was abandoned once again, the site was abandoned once again in 1868 after uncovering just four of those houses. Excavation began again in 1928 and then was completed two years later. Carbon dating from the site tells us that the site itself was used between 3200 and 2200 BC or the Neolithic period and very quickly abandoned but no apparent reason exists as to why it was abandoned. These same peoples then begin working together in their communities on larger, bigger projects. They start building burial tombs like Maze Howe and large stone circles like the Ring of Brodgar. The burial tombs are large, hollow rooms with connected chambers. When a high-ranking member of the community died, the body was either boiled, cremated or just simply left outside for the local birds of prey to clean off the bones. These bones would then be placed to rest in one of the chambers. The Ring of Brodgar itself is a large stone circle measuring 104 metres in diameter. It originally consisted of 60, 60, 60 stones. However, to this day, a few have either fallen down or been destroyed by the local farmers who didn't quite understand what they were. The main questions surrounding stone circles, which appear all the way throughout Scotland and throughout the UK, one of the main questions is, why? The other one, how? How were they built? To answer the question why is difficult, but also fairly simple at the same time. The simple answer for why, we don't know. But how has evolved, the answer for how these things were built has evolved over the course of the years. We know where the stones came from. These stones were chiselled using wooden tools from the cliffs uh, that surround the Orkney Islands. The problem is, however, the cliffs are quite a long way, especially if you're at the Ring of Brodgar, for example, uh, the nearest cliffs are about five miles away. So how did they get those stones from the cliffs to the site at Brodgar? 
There are many different theories, for example, using wooden um, logs, placing the stones on wooden logs and rolling the stones there. However, uh, last year or a couple of years ago, there was a very interesting documentary uh, that provided us with a new theory. And I think that this theory is probably the most plausible because they actually tested it on the show and it seemed to work perfectly well. It is believed now that what they did was they went to the sea, obviously they're quite close to the sea, uh, being by the cliffs anyway, and got some seaweed. They would then place seaweed on the underside of the stone, attach a big rope to it, and then simply drag the stone with the seaweed. The seaweed, therefore being slippery, allowed it and it stuck to the stone, so you would rarely ever need to replace the seaweed. Always take some extra with you just in case, but pull the stone along with the seaweed attached to it. And plausibly, it does actually move fairly quickly and fairly easily. So close by to the Ring of Brodgar, you also have the Ness of Brodgar, which is a current ongoing uh, series of excavations. They can only do these excavations during the summer months in Orkney. Orkney is quite far north. So during the winter, especially so at this time, Orkney's probably getting maybe five hours, six hours or so of proper daylight throughout the course of the day. So it's very, very difficult in order to do an excavation during that time. But during the summer, it's the opposite. Uh, during the summer, I've been there during the summer. I've been there on the solstice, uh, on the summer solstice, and it doesn't get dark at all. You can go around wandering about at three o'clock in the morning as though it's, you know, sort of a light dusk at, that most of us would experience about eight or nine o'clock at night. And um, it is phenomenal. It is a great sort of thing to experience at one point in your life. So these excavations take place during the summer. Obviously this year, 2020, that did not happen. Um, however, these excavations have been going on for quite a long time. And the Ness of Brodgar, once again, very similar to Skyra Bray, uh, but it seems as though the site may have been a little bit bigger because when you have the Ring of Brodgar just next door and then across the way, the Stones of Stenness as well, you have these big stone circles and you think of how many people it would have taken in order to have created these things. So you've got to imagine that loads of people were living in the nearby area. Um, it's quite a small area when if you were to see it, but then if you compare it to Scarabray, it's it is a little bit bigger, I would say, than than Scarabray. So the Ness of Brodgar being quite close to the Ring of Brodgar, um, and then not too far away from there, the Stones of Stenness, and then from the Stones of Stenness, if you look out uh, over Stenness Loch, you can see or Loch Stenness, you can actually see this big mound of earth. It just basically looks like a large mound of earth. And what this is, is something called Maze Howe. Now Maze Howe is a burial tomb. Uh, and again, it's located about a mile or so away from the Ring of Brodgar. Uh, Orkney is um, very flat in comparison to if you've been travelling around the highlands of Scotland before you head off to Orkney. I mean, you have to travel through the highlands in order to get to the ferry in order to get across to Orkney. Um, you will obviously see loads of mountains, loads of hills, etc., then you get onto Orkney and it's and it's very, very flat. So you can see for miles and miles around. So you see this um this sort of weird mound just appearing out of nowhere. And this is Maze Howe burial tomb. 
Uh, every year on the winter solstice, this burial tomb itself, when the sun sets uh, on, on the summer solstice, which is about 3.15 or so in the afternoon, uh, the sun sets and the light shines perfectly through the long entrance passage and into the chamber located directly across from the entrance passage, which is incredible. It's pretty damn cool in order to see. They set up a webcam uh, when this actually happens. Obviously, once again, we've missed it for this year, but uh, it is really, really awesome. Uh, even just pictures of it are incredible. Uh, look it up, Maze House. So, uh, it's M A E S H O W E for Maze House. Absolutely incredible. Uh, so, again, I've sort of mentioned what these burial tombs were for. Uh, in terms of Maze Howe, however, they found no archaeological evidence to say that there was any human bones in there. I believe that they found the bones of a dog, perhaps a wolf, uh, in there, but they never found any human uh, bones inside of uh, Maze Howe. Um, so, once again, the, the, the thing is, is why were these burial tombs built? Uh, again, we don't quite know why as such. Uh, we know that they were burial tombs for bones, but there are hundreds of them. And for example, with Maze Howe and the fact that there's no record of any human bones, why was Maze Howe built? Because it didn't appear to have any human bones in there. But Maze Howe is even more incredible than that. I mean, if you think you've seen the pictures of Scarabray, etc., and you think, wow, that, you know, and, and the, the, you know, from what I've told you about Scarabray, you think that sounds incredible, you know, 5,000 year old houses, I mean these Scarabray, Maze Howe, the Ring of Brodgar, etc, these are older than the Great Pyramids in Egypt, you know, this is old, old stuff um, so Maze Howe is even more incredible as well for a slightly more recent history in terms of the Vikings now, obviously, at one point, I am going to get around to talking about the Vikings, and we probably will end up talking about the Vikings on Orkney, etc. anyway. But inside of Maze Howe itself, uh, inscribed on the walls are incredible Viking runes. Uh, so runes, if you're unaware, is basically like a, a kind of Viking graffiti. Uh, which is very, very impressive. The tour guides there are incredibly knowledgeable and they tell you all of these little inscriptions in which they have uh, on the walls. I mean, even drawings of, uh, I think there's there's like a boar, I think. Um, it's honestly, it's just utterly incredible. It's one of those things that me telling you about it might sound impressive, but when you get there, it would be a thousand, a million times more impressive than I could ever make it sound. Um, if anyone has ever seen the television program Vikings itself, uh, which was quite a popular program, uh, your um, um, Lothbrok man, I, I, I haven't actually watched it myself, but I know that, uh, is it Ragnar Lothbrok or something like that? Um, his So he was a real Viking and his actual real life son, um, is one of the people to inscribe their runes inside of this uh, inside of this chambered tomb. It is utterly incredible. Um, again, trust me when I say that, but you really need to see it for yourself in order to believe 
Um, and to actually see these things in person, it is utterly incredible. Orkney is such a far is, is so far away from Edinburgh. You can do. Um, I used to do a five day tour from Edinburgh up to Orkney, and you would spend two nights on Orkney, uh, which doesn't sound like much, but you know, sort of two days venturing around. Um, or t- sorry, no, it was only really one full day venturing around Orkney it is an incredible 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 place there's so much to see over the space of those um let's say it's five days but realistically it's kind of one and a half um by the time you get the ferry across there uh but yes so it is utterly incredible uh so for this week that's that's going to be it for this week um I'm trying to keep it to the sort of the you know the bite size kind of uh, pieces of information so there will be little bits that i've uh, left out etc but we will kind of revisit um but i just want people to kind of know you know kind of where scotland started from you know and uh, and the first peoples to settle there because i know that people are more interested in um like you know that the listeners out there are more interested to know about the people of scotland rather than the topography and the geology and and things like that i i love i love it all i'm you know i, I love the, the the fact that you know again uh, the old some of the oldest rocks in the world or I think the second oldest rock that ever be found in the world was was found in in Lewis on the Isle of Lewis uh, and one of the Western Isles of Scotland you know that's at- utterly incredible how Scotland itself was created the fact that Scotland um, and the land you know before the breakup of Pangaea etc was a lot closer to the equator than it is today you know scotland used to be a tropical country and now we're edging ever closer to the north pole sort of thing uh but i know that some people aren't sort of interested in that sort of thing and you're more interested in finding out about the people you know it's always you know can we hear about the vikings can we hear about um you know the neoliths and and things like that so that's that's kind of what i'm trying to focus more on but keeping it quite bite-sized. So I hope that you've enjoyed episode number 33. Next week, it will probably, will be basically picking up from there where we've left off. Um, I have been reminded a couple of times recently about an episode that I said that I was going to do. It is on my list. The episode that I said I was going to do was way back, I think maybe in episode 15, when I said that I was going to give my personal comparisons between Robin Hood and william wallace um and actually to be honest i think it's been even more than two people uh maybe say five um but yeah that is definitely something that i am going to do uh i might do it as a video perhaps rather than as an audio so i might try to you know try and get some some more on the uh the youtube etc but before we finish up folks i just want to first of all say thank you to all of the new listeners and of course all of the older listeners as well for sharing the page um, we had this massive influx of Italian listeners, so uh, buongiorno to you. My Italian accent is terrible, but uh, you know, thank you very much uh, for sharing the page. And uh, please, if if you could, uh, while you're listening to this, if you're sitting here listening to it on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever, if you're sitting here listening to it, quickly just open up your Facebook page, type or your Facebook app. Go to the top, type in Scottish History Podcast, just click the share button and then just click share now. Don't even need to type a wee thingy in, just press share and and that is, that is absolutely perfect. Uh, you can add a little comment in if you want, 
But if you could share the podcast, share it with your friends, tell your friends, tell your enemies even. Uh, you know, your enemies might learn something from this as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, please keep sharing. Please keep telling people about the podcast. Um, you know, once again, uh, it, it's it's free. You know, the more people that are listening to it, I mean, you know, what price is better than free? As a Scotsman, I love free. Um, so, hit us up on the Facebook page if you've got any comments, etc. Please hit me up on the Facebook page at any time. Feel free to send me a message through Facebook. So, it's, uh, well, the Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Scott History Pod. Twitter is Twitter uh, is at Scott History Pod. Um, but really, the best way uh, nowadays is just go to scotthistorypod.com. Um, go there. You can even listen directly uh, from the website itself. Uh, the analytics for the most recent episodes have been incredible. Uh, the last episode on Sean Connery uh, broke my all-time record for listeners, uh, which was on Monday. It had about 650 listeners in one day. That's absolutely incredible. Uh, I then had over five, uh, 550, 564, I think it was to be exact, um, on the Tuesday as well. So Monday and Tuesday, well over a thousand listeners. But yet the Facebook page doesn't even have a thousand likes on it. Doesn't even have 900 likes. There's 900 people following the page, but only 850 actually like the page. Just do me a favor, click like on the page. Uh, it's also on YouTube as well, youtube.com forward slash Scott History Pod. Lastly, if you fancy uh, donating to help with the running costs, etc., for the podcast, once again, it's free. Uh, so it's all donations. Uh, if you wish to donate £1 or £3 per month to the podcast, you can do that via Patreon or Patreon. That's P A T R E O N dot com forward slash Scott History Pod. So once again, folks, thank you very much for listening and I will catch you again next week. <laughs>